Hello everyone and welcome to the Cocky Top Podcast, a sports podcast from an unlikely pair of fans where we give you the team breakdowns from our individual fandom's perspective, as well as our thoughts on teams across college football. So to all you volunteers and Gamecocks and everyone in between, let's kick off. All right, all you cock and balls, and welcome back to another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. And after that second half stink fest from this last weekend, I am, of course, the gamiest of cocks, Brian Lowe. <laughs> I'm all of all, Tyler Mack. And we are back for, like I said, another episode of the Cocky Top Podcast. Now, listening to some of your all suggestions and taking into account the other podcasts that we do here at Legend Studios, which is, of course, that Between Two Barrels podcast, if you want to take a little dive into the life of distillery employees, as well as learn some fun and interesting information about legends of all types, not only across the state of Tennessee, but this country and the world as well, make sure to check that one out. Here on the Cocky Top Podcast, we are going to take a new approach moving forward in the fact that we are going to be breaking this podcast down as well into two separate episodes. The Friday release of the episode will take into consideration all the games from the previous week, what had happened. We'll be doing recaps on Friday, uh, or review Friday, and then preview Saturday as far as the episode is concerned. Friday review, preview on Saturday. And with that being said, we are going to go ahead and get straight into it. Going over the winners and the losers of this past Saturday, which of course saw quite a few, uh, I don't want to necessarily say upsets, but there were some definitely not the best games, uh, especially for our awesome conference that is the SEC. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into some of the better games, which of course were some conference games. Uh, in LSU and Mississippi State. Not as great for Mississippi State, but LSU was was definitely looking like the the LSU team from last year that, that yeah. had the opportunity to be able to go the distance and go to possibly a national championship. And they handedly dispatched uh, Mississippi State with a final score of 41-14. to A very fun game to watch uh, because it came down to the wire and Mizzou wound up taking it with a walk-off field goal. And that was uh, unranked Mizzou versus number 15-ranked Kansas State. While that, of course, was not an in-conference matchup, it definitely, definitely uh, vaulted Mizzou, um, of course, Mm -hmm. out of not being ranked into, of course, or I think they are ranked now. We'll have to double-check and see on that. Uh, but, it of course, did drop Kansas State's uh, ranking <clears throat> with Mizzou now being 3-0. and uh, All yeah. three of their matches being home games at this point, yeah. uh, which is kind of odd considering the, the way everybody else's schedule in the SEC has played out to this point. Uh, but, like I said, they did wind up getting the league record-setting 63-yard yes. walk-off field goal I for say, the win in that game. I love... Like, I don't care who the team is. Like, maybe it's the bias in me that my brother was a kicker in high school. But I love a good, like, there's seconds left. It's up to this kid's leg. And, like, a field goal winning game. Like, right. that walk-off home run in baseball or that walk-off PK kick in soccer. Like, I love right. it when it's, like, down to the wire and, like, one kid, it's like, all right, 
It's all on you, it's buddy. It's all on you, buddy. And he breaks this massive record. Yep. And kicks this this crazy long field goal. I love stories like that. And it was it was fun to watch, especially going back and watching the highlights uh, again and again to be able to see that boot. And it was definitely definitely a fun game. Uh, and also uh, one of our favorite media personalities uh sports media personalities josh pate Mm -hmm. uh was actually at that game for the once upon a saturday tour uh for this year continuing on uh some other ones that were non-conference matchups that the sec was able to take care of business on included number 17 Ole miss handily taking care of georgia tech with a final score of 48 to 23 Ole miss actually is going to be going uh i believe to tuscaloosa this coming up weekend we'll talk more about that in the preview segment which is going to be airing what would be tomorrow uh auburn being able to take care of samford with no problem final score 45 to 13 um auburn also going to be heading to texas a&m this week and that's another one that's going to be a very interesting matchup um Let's see, Kentucky uh, going over to the east side was able to take care of the Akron Zips with no problem, final score being 35-3. to Kentucky, another team that is sitting on that uh, 3-0 and start, and oddly enough, all three games of those for them have been at home there at uh, Kroger Field for the Wildcats. Now, switching over to the other side of things, while there were some wins, or they did, you know, check the mark in the win column, it was not as impressive. And the main one that comes to mind for me is number 10, Alabama, taking on South Florida. And yeah. Alabama only winning 17-3. to No offensive output whatsoever during that game, it seemed like. And Alabama wound up playing what would have been the second and third string QBs who amounted to a total of 10 completions and I think just cracked 100 yards between yeah. them during that game. So it was it was not – this is not your daddy's Alabama anymore, no. it seems like. No, we, um, we might be seeing them drop out of their, their decade of dominance. And, and I hate to keep going ahead and referencing, you know, the preview side of things since we're trying to do review mm-hmm. right now. But – if it is a situation to where Alabama, and they do have the potential to lose against Ole Miss with the way that Ole Miss is playing right now, if they do lose, there's an entire generation of people who do not know what that's like for the University of no. Alabama no. in any capacity. No. To, to, to be not even out of the month of September mm-hmm. and Alabama to potentially have two losses on their schedule at that point in time, if that is the case. And like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on it just because of the fact that we want to save that for the preview segment. But still, that is just insane to even think about at this point. Well, that Bama that played is not beating Ole Miss or LSU. No. Or us. No. You know, so I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, it, it is definitely a, a crazy, crazy um, dynamic right now in the mm-hmm. world of college football. Um, I did forget to mention Texas A&M taking on uh, uh, UL Monroe. Uh, they definitely took care of them with no problem yeah. uh, with a final score of 47 to 3. Uh, but getting back onto the, the sadder side of things, I guess you could say, for the SEC, uh, Vanderbilt had had a really good streak going on but that of course had to come to an end 
they were doing really well at home, but doesn't seem like they can take care of business on the road. Yeah. Um, yeah. While the score doesn't indicate exactly how the game played out in its entirety, um, Vanderbilt only losing by a score of three, but it was to UNLV. Um, 40 to 37 was that final. Uh, I don't think it's truly uh, indicative of of Vanderbilt's play right now. No. And and I honestly think that if anybody, especially and I, to go ahead and throw this out, if if South Carolina, who currently has a 14 game winning streak over mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, goes into this thinking it's just going to be a cakewalk, especially with it being closer to the end of the year. I, I mean, there's definitely the possibility oh, yeah. for them to be able to come back and, and pull something out. Um, Arky, switching back over to the West, uh, unfortunately did lose and buy a single possession again uh, for this game, and but that was to BYU. Um, Arkansas drops 38-31 to 31 in that game. Uh, we now get to uh, the ones that, of course, we really don't want to recount yeah. because it was a rather dismal day for the Cocky Top podcast this past Saturday with both the Gamecocks and Volunteers falling in those matchups. And this was a, a battle of two SEC East teams going up against two SEC East two teams. Two wins that, that, that we needed. Wins that both of our teams needed. For sure. I mean, by no means do we count this this season out. No. By no means. No, but early. this this definitely makes it a lot harder to try to climb up the ladder that is the SEC East right now for what is going to be its final year of existence. Yeah. As it stands now. Um, of course, uh, Florida unexpectedly, but kind of expectedly, yeah. with it being in the swamp, uh, able to to unleash the 12th man, as it were, or the Gator Chomp on the Vols. Uh, final score of 29-16, to 16, but again, I, I really don't think, uh, because a majority of Florida's points were scored there in that second quarter, yeah. that, that it was very, very indicative of, of how the game actually went. Yeah, of course, I mean, the, the story is that, that Florida got the dub, yeah. that Florida got the win, but... Um, there were some things that where Tennessee was shooting themselves in the foot more mm-hmm. so than anything else. And and I'm not going to get on to the, the after game or the very tail end of the game uh, sentiments with it, but I think there were a few things that, that Tennessee fans should be able to take away from it as positives without it being a complete, you know, black, ca- black cloud over the yeah. season. And, and I think that if, if we're going to lose – on paper, the way they were playing us offensively away against our offensive play, the score should have been way higher. They should oh, have scored sure. way more than they did. Um, luckily, our defense, you know, is kind of compatible this year. And, and it's weird. It's like we've switched roles. Last year, our offense was, was deadly. And this year, it seems to it's, be it's it's very, very high school-like offense. Very like, where's the offense we had last year? Um we did shoot ourselves in the foot, and I'm not someone who typically, uh, I'm not someone who typically like it's all the refs' fault, blah blah blah, blame the refs. Even in losing or winning, I'm typically not like, look, uh, you know, it can't be all the refs. But there were some some very interesting. There, there were even, definitely even the old football coach himself in an interview 
Spurrier himself said, "Yeah, there was some. Uh, there was some was egregious some missed calls stuff going yeah. on." His and he said, "I believe he said, you know, from my days of coaching, some days they go your way, some days they don't. But in that game, there were definitely some egregious misses on that referee. The kicking a ball and starting everything over and stopping everything was probably the difference between us scoring in that round." Oh, for sure. And I actually made reference to this in a uh, little bit of a a keyboard warrior Mm -hmm. matchup uh, on social media uh, on, I believe it would have been this past Sunday. Yeah. uh, In the fact that I was talking about all the people that had been been nasty towards Shane Beamer because of him mentioning the Chang Gang during the game at North Carolina eating hot dogs. It was a situation where they were already lined up. They were in formation, and it was a, a little bit of a trick formation to be able to get the first down or to, to be able to uh, get the kickoff. And, and or it was whenever they were going to pull the onside kick. Yeah. There to uh, start off what the second half would be, and they were having to wait on them while they were lining up in what their formation would be, and that gave North Carolina an opportunity, even though it didn't succeed from North Carolina's standpoint it was an opportunity for them to be able to see yes. what the formation was. And and in the instance with Heupel, it's a situation where he's trying to utilize tempo, of course, to, to keep the defense uh, at bay, we uh, to keep them that, guessing up that and everything whole thing else. gave them an opportunity to substitute. So to substitute and be able it to get fresh players in. It gave that, yeah, and you're right. And what I was getting to is the fact that the same people that were uh, bashing Shane Beamer yeah. were praising Heupel because he did make that mention. And I'm like, you can't have this both ways. No. You can't sit there and say, oh, uh, Beamer's a clown for, for no. calling out Bring referees. Bring the same energy. Absolutely. Whenever you know, you're praising it, whenever Heupel winds up calling it out. And and while, yes, the actual instances were different, I mean, yeah, the uh, a referee kicking the ball Albeit whether it was intentional or unintentional. Um, The same with, while yes, the the actual act is different, the outcome or what what was the result of those actions were the same in the fact that it gave defenses an opportunity to make adjustments that were, in this instance, you know, crucial misses for the offense because the defense had time to better prepare in that instance whenever those simple things could have led to a mismatch in some form and allowed those teams to score. Well, in our poor and then, of course, not to mention the number of holding calls that were missed in both the South Carolina-Georgia and Tennessee-Florida games is unreal. Yes, because our poor, unreal. our poor center who kept getting holds called on him, because yet again, no news from our, our For our Cooper general. Mays, yeah. No, no, no news. We, we don't even... We're not even being told, like, when or what the heck is wrong. So, uh, the calls were reversed. They would have called a holding on us. We got so many holds called, and they missed four or five really bad hold calls against Florida that would have changed the the outcome. And and something else, speaking of calls during both of those games, there were multiple times where you thought that a call was going to be going against the other team. Yeah. For different things, and then it winds up going against your team, and, and you're, you're like, like "WTF? Where? What the happened? Where? Where did that happen?" Yeah, it was, 
it was not fun and of course you can definitely tell and as we mentioned uh, ahead of time the um, frustration the frustrations that come from that and how things could have definitely been different um of course south carolina dropping as well final score against uh number one ranked georgia bulldogs being uh 24 to 14 uh south carolina actually leading going into the half 14 to 3 uh, but losing by 10 points to the number one team in the country and playing them that, that close. I think it's just – it kind of goes back to what we talked about. Uh, uh, there, there were some there were some missed opportunities for the SEC this past weekend to answer who we are. Right. Uh, like some we teams were able to yeah. step up and answer, but other ones there's still that looming like, question as to – Is to, this the year that we look our weakest as a whole conference? As an entire conference. The last year that we are in – an, an SEC East and West thing, as opposed to the "quote unquote" power now, conference. Now we're looking bad, <laughs> like right. It's just crazy the timing. And, and see the thing. Well, another thing to put about that with the timing, the fact that Oklahoma and Texas are coming in. If if Texas has a season that everybody thinks they're going to, they're going to be able to. I mean, I know it's it's complete BS. But yes. the number of Texas people that are going to be like, oh, well, we're improving your stock by coming in. Well, no, duh, you're improving the stock of the conference by coming in. But you can't sit there and say that based off of this one single season, this one time whenever the SEC was down, as it were, that you're going to be doing nothing but but upping the stock, upping the, the stakes by joining the SEC by yeah. that much, just simply based off of that one metric. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Before we get too far away of time, uh, because we got about 10, 15 minutes to wrap up what would be this first section, we are going to do some individual stat lines from these two games. Uh, let's go ahead and actually look at the Volunteers-Gators game to begin with, since I do have that pulled up here on the old laptop. Uh, Joe Milton, 20 of 34 for 287 yards, uh, 8.4 yard average attempt with two touchdowns and one interception with a final QB rating of 52.6 for that game. Jalen Wright, of course, continues to be the uh, featured name after the first three games for rushing for the Volunteers with 16 carries, 63 yards on the day, average of 3.9. No touchdowns this time uh, with a long of 12. Uh, same thing for Jabari Small, seven of 35 or seven attempts for 35 yards, averaging five yards. So definitely a little bit better average than what Jalen Wright had. Uh, and of course, having a long of 12 yards. And then Milton himself was the third leading rusher for the team yeah. uh, with five attempts for six yards. But of course, uh, any sacks do wind up getting factored into that number and take yards away for an average of 1.2 and a long of 12. On the receiving end for Tennessee, uh, Brew McCoy actually finally got his first TD, so that means the first AED is going to be donated uh, to a needy organization Mm -hmm. as part of Brew McCoy's NIL deal to where whenever he does score a touchdown Mm -hmm. and AED life-saving device, will be donated on his behalf to an organization in need. Uh, Little Squirrel White, 
three catches for 68 yards, averaging 22.7 yards per catch with a long of 41. Brew McCoy's long was 55, and that was that touchdown mm. pass that he did catch from the flick of the wrist long bomb by Milton. Uh, and uh, rounding it out, um, uh, Dante Thornton, three catches for 53 yards, a long of 43. Ramel Keaton, three catches for 39 yards, a long of 14. So they are definitely – it is a situation to where Milton does need the time and the space to be able to get the long ball thrown because he does not have the intermediate game locked down still yet. No. Intermediate. And the short game, I think he's got the touch for the short game, but Florida's defensive front and yeah. those linebackers were not allowing no. anything to go out to the flats on those screens and bubble passes whatsoever. So everything had to be those long shots for Milton to be able to get mm-hmm. it. And unfortunately, uh, with that one pick, it was a situation. He was just it was just pressured uh, it, too many times. And, and thankfully, one of the times to where Tennessee didn't get called for a holding penalty. Uh, but there was also plenty of P.I. on the other side. Yeah. Um, during, well, and I and just think that, that like those holding penalties, it shows just how – new at those positions the backup center is oh for sure the the amount of times his number got called for holding in the last two games is proof that like dude we gotta get we gotta get our general back yeah it was it was the same story for for south carolina and the fact that the youth on the offensive line was just too much uh too much to be able to handle the not only the experience that Georgia and Florida had on their lines because Georgia's unit is an older unit as well on the defensive side of the ball. And we said that in episode one for both teams. Mm -hmm. The question for this season is O-line youth. Youth, yep. It's just not there. defensive side of the ball, however, before we switch gears and switch over to the Gamecocks, uh, another situation where there was no double-digit tacklers for Tennessee, um, you did still maintain a decent number of tackles for loss. Didn't get into the double digits. There was seven, however. Uh, one sack on the day, um, but a total of uh, 62 tackles on the day for Tennessee with those getting in there. Um, there was only one field goal attempt, which Carl, Charles Campbell was able to, to nail with no problem, uh, and that was a 42-yard field goal and four, um, uh, or sorry, a total of four points, the three from the field goal and the one PAT that was kicked. Um, Jackson Ross, the punter, actually saw the field more times than uh, a a Tennessee player typically would. Uh, Had three punts for a total of 120 yards, meaning that they were averaging uh, 40 booming yards uh, per punt with two of them getting dropped inside the 20-yard line mm-hmm. on those. So definitely some good field flipping by the Tennessee special team. So I'm sure Coach Eckler for those boys was definitely definitely uh, proud of them in that aspect. But, of course, uh, as we said, to lead it all off, both Tennessee and South Carolina falling this week well, in those interconference matchups. another statistic that just in these three games that I think that we've, we've we can't let go unnoticed is that even just in these three games, our offense is still averaging like 31 points a game. Yes. Just in the and, are, and only allowing like uh, 19 points a game. So it's, so it's still like, and I know it's just the first three games, but still like those 
if you look at those numbers, like on paper, like I said, like it's not a terrible first three games for us. Right. It's just not what last year was. Oh, for sure. And, and that's it, what our fan base focuses on. Right. And once once you give, and this is for any fan base really, once you yeah. give them something to latch on to, a majority of your casual fans, uh, not necessarily bandwagon fans, but casual fans, like, okay, yeah, I've been a fan of Tennessee since I was a little kid or in high yeah. school or whatever the case may be, but you don't really get fully into it. You're not following recruiting news. You're yeah. not, you're like, you know, oh, you're I not part of the win, booster club or whatever. You know. Your, your Saturdays don't hinge on whether or no. not your team, you know, your yeah. vibe, your mood, the rest of the day doesn't hinge on, on the outcome of the game. So yeah, to speak. absolutely. Uh, as far as a fan, uh, not someone covering the sport, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, but, the 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 absolute casual uh, is find something to latch on to, uh, whether it be some sort of hype or some sort of statistic that was blown up mm-hmm. or that was that was featured, um, um, and and whenever that doesn't happen routinely year after year after year, then those are the people who are quick to. This person needs to be fired, or that person needs to be gone. Yeah. This I mean, person needs at, to do this. Look at where some of the Bama casual fan base is at right now. Oh, for first sure. Time for him to go. Okay, dude. Seriously. You, yeah, right. In the first three games. Yeah, you're, you're calling for, now for, for the Nick, Nick Saban, Saban to go to be home. done. Yeah. Okay. And people are talking about well, going fully on into the speculation. I mean, I know it's been kind of a joking thing for the last several years. Who's going to take over for Saban whenever he's gone? Now it's actually seems for for some of those people like oh crap this can become a reality very quickly. I'll tell you a good who possibility of who it is, and I'll tell you a good possibility of who it's not going to be. It will not be Butch Jones, <laughs> and it will possibly be Lane Kiffin. Uh, most indications are the two biggest names that are associated with it right now. Of course, Lane Kiffin. I definitely agree with you on that one. And the other one that I'm not a huge fan of. Be Clemson head current head coach Dabo Sweeney. Ooh, I don't want him in the SEC. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, is unless he decides to make some changes then moving he'll be forward, crimson tears every Saturday, right? <laughs> NIL, our boys. And and that's what I was about to get into is the fact that since he has not utilized the portal in any capacity yeah. to be able to bring any players in, you're going to have to. Then him. yeah, well, you really should anywhere. Yeah, I mean. You've got free agency basically now in football. Why not take advantage of it? It's absolutely what it is. Free agency. In college football. Yeah. Looking at the Gamecock stat line, while Rattler in his first two games held a really tight stat line, very few drops, very few misses. Yeah. Um, this game not only was it against number one ranked Georgia, was it against that, that very stout defense, it was also in the rain. Uh, in the hedges. Yeah, and, and rain in the hedges, which shouldn't be a valid excuse, but I mean, it does make it a lot more difficult to try to catch a pass while it's raining. And the same can be said. I mean, while there was really not a whole lot of of issue with ball security during the game, mm-hmm. he did wind up throwing up one pick, which was really late in the game. Actually, two picks uh, late in the game while he was just still trying to. To, to make an effort to at least close that very minuscule 10-point gap, uh, simply two possessions with the with the number one ranked Bulldogs. 
Um, it definitely hurt his stat line a little bit. He went 22 of 42. Um, so 20 missed passes definitely brought that QB rating down a little bit from what it was. But he still managed to go for 256 yards with an average of 6.1 yards attempt with one touchdown. The very first touchdown of the game to Juice Wells, uh, who unfortunately wound up going out after that because of uh, re-aggravating a foot injury. And hopefully we'll be able to have him back uh, for the Tennessee game, but he's already out as it stands well, I now think that for that the also changes Mississippi things. State game. I think Juice doesn't go out. I think it's, a, it's still a different game. It could very well yeah. have been a different game. Rushing on the day, oddly enough, Rattler was the number one rusher. So he was the offense for the most part, uh, with the exception of the catches from uh, a few of the receivers. Um, but eight attempts for 35 yards, of course, this does include the, the sacks, yeah. reducing the yards. So it would have been even more than that with a long of 13. To carry on Joyner, five attempts for 10 yards, uh, very pedestrian on the ground. Uh, but the Georgia running game, or running defense, is is stout. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm surprised that, honestly, we got a total of 53 yards on the ground for the entire day. Um, surprisingly, uh, the well, with the most catches was not the most targeted receiver, but uh, Omega Blake is trying to carve out a true uh, number two role behind Xavier Leggett at this point. Uh, would revert back to a number three spot once Juice Wells is back in and healthy and fully ready to go. The carry-on joiner did wind up getting the one rushing touchdown there for the game. And then, um, like I said, Juice Wells getting that one catch in the first half to open the game. Uh, Omega Blake, five catches, 86 yards, a long of 41 with an average of 17.2. Uh, X-Man Xavier Leggett, seven catches for 71 yards, a long of 35 for an average of 10 yards. And then, of course, like I said, Juice Wells, two catches, 32 yards, long of 17, which was that touchdown. And he was weaving in and out of Georgia defenders, making his way. I mean, he fought for those yards, and thankfully he got it. But it, it was still, unfortunately, a rough day uh, at the end of the day for the Gamecocks. Defensively, um, surprisingly, going up against the, the Georgia Bulldogs, which have not been the best offensively as of late, uh, managed to record uh, five tackles for loss. I think that is the highest number of tackles for loss that we've had on the year so far this year. Uh, managed to record two sacks, so Carson Beck was on it, found himself on the ground a couple of times for the first time this season. And we did have a couple of defensive playmakers in Debo Williams and Nick Emanwari, who both recorded double-digit tackles. Um, 11 total for Debo Williams, 7 solo, uh, and also was accounted in on uh, a couple of those tackles for loss. And Eamon Mori with 10 solo tackle, or 10 total tackles, 4 solo tackles. Um, but two of the biggest, I guess, stories for South Carolina on the uh, both offensive and defensive side of things um, true freshman uh, Alua Tosin. Mm. Babalati, or Big Tree as he is uh, affectionately known, um, as a true freshman wound up gaining SEC Freshman Honors of the Week or Player of the Week Honors, um, and TJ Sanders uh, taking home Defensive Honors, and he himself had nine total tackles, eight of which were solo, uh, a sack, and two tackles for loss, so dude was straight balling out this week. 
surprisingly, right now, South Carolina special teams is almost non-existent. It is so weird looking back at how much that play has affected the outcome of games for the Gamecocks for the last two years and so far for the first three, with the exception of that recovered onside kick against North Carolina in the opener, it is it's like Virginia football. It's it's on a milk <laughs> carton right now to 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 do a callback there for you. Yeah. Um, Kai Kroger, five punts for 189 yards with an average of 37.8. Dude was booming, has been averaging 50-plus, like, game in and game out for the last couple of years, and for whatever reason, it's just not not clicking right now and I don't know if a, a, a good amount of it was just because of the fact with this weekend the weather mm. and that rain just being a part of it but uh, along a 45 I mean which is still it's still good but it's not what we've been used to from special teams thus far during the Beamer era there in South Carolina so definitely a lot of things to, to still figure out and see what's going to happen upcoming but all in all, again, it seems like it was a again a pretty yeah week for the SEC. Yeah, especially I mean, but at, at the same time, you know, if if you're gonna have a huh, you want it to be week three. You don't want it to be week seven or week eight. Right. You so, don't want it to be later on in the or in the latter half of the schedule in any capacity. Yeah, we just I mean, the thing is, is Florida gets a loss within the next few weeks. Well, that gives the opportunity. I mean, There's the, another opportunity if, for if Florida them, loses nobody's at any tied point for time. six. Everyone's tied for second or third. Yes. So. Well, except for South Carolina. We're at the complete bottom of the barrel right now, especially if you watch Matt Mitchell's uh, SEC yeah. roll call for the week. Yeah. But I did like the what he did with the, the cupcakes. Oh, all that the, one. All the teams choking. Choking on like, the cupcakes. Are you all yeah. right, Georgia? And they're like, no, nah, I, only, I only choke on the first quarter. The first half of first it. First half yeah. of this. Then I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, it turns around to where they're down 14-3 to in the yeah. Carolina game. Yeah. And then they come back, and it's like, oh, sorry, I just had to get a little drink. Yeah. Just to, just to wash it down. Guys, this is really all the time that we've got for this first part. We're going to step away and we will be bringing back what will be the second half of the cocky top podcast that's going to be airing on saturday what will be tomorrow uh, before 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 games get started so if you want to get up in the morning and before uh lee corso kirk herb street the rest of the gang gets together old pat mcafee there on the college game day or if you just watch sec nation with paul feinbaum and the crew over there tim tebow all those guys Make sure you give a listen to the Cocky Top Podcast. We're going to be giving down the quick preview and our thoughts on the uh, outcomes of the games across the SEC landscape for what will be Saturday, um, September the 23rd. So for this first half, again, I am the gamiest of Gamecocks, Brian Lowe. And I'm Alvaro Tyler Mack. And we will see you on this second half. This portion of the Cocky Top Podcast is brought to you by the Gatlinburg Brewing Company. With 16 craft beers on tap and brick fire oven craft pizzas, GBC is the place to be in Sevier County. Gatlinburg Brewing Company has two locations to visit, one on the strip of Gatlinburg 
and one at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway beside Tennessee Legend Distillery. When you stop in, tell them you heard about them on the Cocky Top Podcast from Legend Studios. Enjoy and cheers to you, legends.